RNZ News at midday. Kia ora, good afternoon. Ko Nicola Wright there, Cabinet looks likely to give the go-ahead for a one-off public holiday marking the Queen's death as ministers consider their options today. It comes after Australia confirmed it would hold a national day of mourning next week. Here's our deputy political editor, Craig McCulloch. Ministers will today set the date for a national memorial service to take place sometime after the Queen's funeral. They'll also consider whether to hold a public holiday following the lead of the United Kingdom and Australia. The National Party has thrown its support behind the idea, but ACT says small business should not have to pay for pageantry. One public holiday has already been added to New Zealand's calendar this year, with Matariki celebrated in June. The Prime Minister and Governor-General are both expected to travel to London later this week to attend the funeral. Earlier today in Scotland, the Queen's coffin was taken from Balmoral to Edinburgh. Thousands of people lined rural roads as the hearse passed by. The ABC's Barbara Miller reports. The Royal Cortege took the slow road to Edinburgh from Balmoral to allow thousands to line the streets for a fleeting glance of the woman who's been their Queen for 70 years. Nice to be able to see her pass one more time before she... Yeah, yeah sad, but uh, yeah, memorable as well. The Queen's coffin arrived in Edinburgh after a more than six-hour journey. Later, her body will be transported along the Royal Mile to St Giles Cathedral, where members of the public will be allowed to file past. Meanwhile, Charles will make his first visit to Scotland as King tomorrow. World Watch's Perlina Lau has the details. King Charles has been officially proclaimed monarch in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Tomorrow he'll visit Westminster Hall where both Houses of Parliament will express their condolences. He'll then begin Operation Spring Tide, the codename for his first official visit around the UK as the King. He and members of the royal family will travel to Scotland to accompany the Queen's coffin to St Giles's Cathedral in the city, which will lie in state for 24 hours before being flown down to London. The King will return to the Palace of Holyrood House to have his first audience with Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon. In the evening, he'll hold a vigil with family members at St Giles' Cathedral. The wife of the skipper whose boat fatally capsized with 11 people on board says the event is an unprecedented tragedy and they are devastated. An investigation is underway as officials work out how the eight-and-a-half-metre charter boat overturned. Five people who were in the cabin died. Skipper Mark Elam is among six people who survived the ordeal and his wife Charlene says they're devastated beyond words. All of us are just devastated. And, um, you know, we are just thinking of the deceased family and friends and um, a number have reached out to us. You know, we're just we're just trying to get through this time. The couple run the charter company Fish Kaikoda. The husband of a woman who died on the boat says she loved the outdoors. Peter Simpson says his wife of 30 years, Kathy Haddock, was on a bird photography trip she was excited about. Mr Simpson says as soon as he saw the news of a boating accident, he knew it was Kathy. The COVID-19 protection framework or traffic light system may be gone by the end of the week. Cabinet ministers are discussing any changes to the current COVID-19 restrictions today. Our political reporter, Annika Smith, has more. 
The traffic light system lit up December last year, replacing alert levels. It's dictated gathering limits, mask use and vaccine mandates for some workforces, but may go altogether by the end of the week. Special legislation giving the government special powers to enforce the system is set to expire this week. Cabinet ministers will meet today to consider the latest public health advice, case numbers and pressure on the health system. Any changes will be revealed at this afternoon's post-cabinet briefing. Emergency doctors say even though COVID numbers are dropping, delays to ordinary care mean hospitals are still extremely busy. A College of Emergency Medicine spokesperson and ED doctor, John Bonning, says the patients turning up now are often sicker and cases are more complex. We can't unload ambulances, so ambulance offloads are extremely delayed. We've got patients in corridors. Um, uh, there are just enormous delays to, to, you know, to getting acute care now in emergency departments around the country. Dr Bonning says that is partly exacerbated by delays to regular care or surgery. Te Tauira Whiri i Te Reo Māori is calling for people to share their stories of how they have battled for the language. This Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori marks 50 years since the Māori language petition was presented to Parliament, calling for Te Reo to be actively recognised. Māori Language Commissioner Rawinia Higgins says it's important to reflect on the progress made. Once we have this collective memory of what our society used to be like, we can kind of take a better appreciation of where we are today, but actually, what else can we be doing uh, to secure that future? You know, it takes three generations to restore, and it takes one generation to lose. A commemoration to mark the anniversary of the petition will be held on Wednesday. And shoppers will now be able to buy their groceries in Te Reo Māori at different countdown supermarkets. The self-service checkouts now have an option to pick Te Reo as a language option, following similar moves for ATMs and airport check-in kiosks. Countdown's Director of Corporate Affairs Kitty Hannafin says introducing Te Reo is a great opportunity for shoppers to use it in everyday conversation. She says it's an exciting step to go alongside bilingual signs and Te Reo names on packaging. It's six minutes past twelve. The lifting of border restrictions, school holidays and a good start to the ski season have attracted the highest number of overseas visitors in more than two years. Stats NZ says 134,200 foreign tourists visited in July, the most since March 2020. Australians made up 70% of the arrivals and nearly a quarter of all visitors landed in Queenstown. Meanwhile, a net 12,400 people are estimated to have left the country long term in the year to July. One of the main routes out of Wellington will reopen on Thursday morning. A series of slips closed State Highway 59 between Pukirua Bay and Paikakariki for more than three weeks. Crystal Gibbons has been at the site of the slips. Waka Kotahi says the size and scope of the work has meant the closure has lasted for weeks. About 60 staff from 20 different subcontractors have been working at the site in that time, with work continuing for 24 hours in the final few days. Around 25,000 cubic metres of material was removed, including using helicopters. The agency estimates the cost of the project to be about 3 to $4 million. It says the work means this stretch of highway will be much stronger and better protected for the future. A dozen Harley-Davidson motorcycles have been seized and a person arrested in West Auckland as part of an investigation into a motorcycle club. The police also apprehended 16 other vehicles and over $400,000 in cash from the Nomads chapter of the Hells Angels. 
The police say the suspects have ties to a sophisticated money laundering operation across Tāmaki Makaurau. One person has been charged with what police describe as significant drug dealing and importation offences. The presidents of Russia and France have spoken by phone amid ongoing fears over the safety of the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. Emmanuel Macron's office says he has asked Vladimir Putin to withdraw Russian weaponry from the site. The Kremlin says Mr Putin repeated warnings of a potential catastrophe from Ukrainian attacks. Here's the BBC's Danny Eberhardt. It's a nuclear plant that's no longer producing any power. Early on Sunday morning, for safety reasons, its last reactor was shut down. But the plant still requires power for vital safety processes, including keeping shut-down reactors and radioactive waste cool. This is currently coming from the grid via a backup line that was restored after being damaged, along with other lines, in recent shelling. The head of the UN's nuclear watchdog welcomed the restoration of external power, but Rafael Grossi stressed the situation remained precarious. The Tararua mayor says the return of state houses to the district is well overdue. Housing Minister Megan Woods has announced more than 50 homes for Tararua and Wadadapa, the only places in the country without government public housing. Tararua Mayor Tracy Collis says every town in the district needs more homes. It did feel like you know, we had been abandoned, um, and especially given the current housing crisis that we find ourselves in. So to see them make that start uh, in Woodville um, and further plans ahead um, is really exciting, and it's been a lot of both people working together and pushing to make this happen. Ms Collis says work will continue to identify land for further public housing developments in the area. That's the news.